So um, a couple weeks ago, we started a series. I started a series that I called The Good and Beautiful God. Uh, I picked it up actually three weeks back, and then we you know, had a guest preacher, and then I preached on something else last week. But anyway, I want to pick it up uh, this week. And like I told you when we began this series, this is based on a book uh, by a guy. He's a United Methodist elder. His name is James Bryan Smith. It's not a new book. It's a number of years old. But it, it's one that had a real major impact on my life a number of years ago. Uh, along with Holy Scripture, along with the Bible, and a couple other books. I would, I would, I would put this in among the top five that really had a major impact on the way that I viewed God and, and the way that I related to God, and as a consequence, began relating to others. And uh, I want to continue that series today, but just I want to refresh your memories a bit. If you happen to have forgotten over the last three weeks, or if you haven't uh, had an opportunity, or if you weren't here or haven't had an opportunity to listen to it, uh, the basic gist of this whole thing that I talked about in that sermon is that what we believe about the nature of God, okay, what we believe about who God is, what about, about God's character and God's nature is going to affect a number of things in, the, in regards to the way that we live out our lives. What we believe about the nature and the character of God is going to affect our relationship with God. It's going to affect our relationship with other people, and it's going to affect really our ability to grow spiritually. Okay, it's going to affect these relationships. In other words, in other words, it will it will it will determine the level of intimacy in our relationships, whether it's our relationship with God or our relationship with other people. And also, again, what we believe about the overall character of God is going to have an impact in our ability to grow spiritually. And that's kind of what all of this thing is this, this whole series is about at its very base. And I introduced you guys to a couple verses out of, out of uh, 1 John at the time. It came out of 1 John chapter 4, 7, and 8. And that was kind of our starting point. I want to reread you those scriptures again. 1 John 4, 7, and 8 says this. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Okay? Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not know love does not know God, because God is love. Thank you, Robert. I like having you out there, brother. <laughs> two things I wanted you guys to take out of, those, out of those two verses. Number one, out of verse seven, that describes our primary Christian ethic. It describes who we are and what we are as Christians. It talks about, let me repeat it to you one more time. Dear friends, let us love one another, plain and simple. That's our primary Christian ethic in all of our relationships, all of our circumstances. It is the way that we view the world. It is the primary posture that we take towards the world. Loving others. No ifs, no ands, no buts. How many times have we said over the last 13 months since I've been here, what did God say the most two important, Jesus say, are the most two important commandments? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's who we are. That's not just what we do. That is who we are if we're truly following Jesus. We've talked about that so much. But the other thing I pointed out to you came there in verse 8. Let me read that to you one more time again. Everyone who, has, who, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not know God, whoever does not love, does not know God because God is love. Verse 8 tells us in no uncertain terms the ultimate character of God. It tells us the ultimate nature of God. It doesn't tell us just who God is. It tells us what God is. Now, there's a big difference there. Not that God has love. But that, not that God expresses love, not that God does love. God, very important little two-letter word here, is love. 
That's our starting point when we understand the nature and the character of God, that God is love. That's the defining quality of our creator. And he just backs up the, word, the words of Jesus back in verse 7 when he talks about loving other people, telling us the way that we live out our Christian faith, living out our lives through allegiance, through commitment, and through relentless love towards one another. So here's the thing. If we know what we're supposed to be, if we know what we're supposed to do as Christ followers, how do we actually go about doing that? How do we become? And that's a big word, too. Not just how do we do the things that Jesus said do and live out the things that Jesus said do. How do we become the things that Jesus said do? How do we become those people who love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, love our neighbors as ourselves relentlessly with, with great loving commitment to one another? How do we be become that? Because honestly, it just doesn't come natural to us. The primary theme that we're going to talk about through this series, and we talked about it in the introductory sermon, <clears throat> was that in order to have these types of loving relationships with God and others, in order to grow spiritually, in order to grow in Christ-likeness, we have to learn to replace some of these false narratives that we have told ourselves about God over the years. And I'm going to explain that a little bit further, but we have to replace some of these stories that we've told ourselves. Maybe we've even been taught these stories, these things that we've learned falsely about God, about Jesus, maybe even about the Bible. And these things have influenced us so, so greatly that they in, that they. That they that they control, or at least or at least to a smaller degree, they greatly influence our ability to have an intimate relationship with God, to have intimate relationships with others, to be able to work alongside God to actually grow spiritually. We have to recognize these false narratives we've told ourselves, and we have to replace them with authentic, biblical, true narratives that were actually given to us by God, by Jesus, by Scripture. One of the reasons that we struggle so much with God, one of the reasons that we fail to be transformed into the image of Christ is that we have embraced a lot of these false ideas. What do I mean by that? Well, I gave you an example um, out of the Gospel of John last time, and, I, and again, I'm going to repeat that story because it's such a good example of what I'm getting at here. Back over in the ninth chapter of the Gospel of John, we, we get this picture of Jesus walking around with the disciples, and they run into this guy who had been blind since birth, okay? And uh, the disciples kind of look at Jesus, and they ask him the, kind of this weird question. They say, uh, who sinned that this man became blind? Remember, he was blind from birth. They asked Jesus, who sinned and made this guy blind? Is it, because of something, is it because of his sin, or is it because of the sin of his parents? And Jesus looked at him, and he said, nobody sinned to make this guy blind. That's, that's not what caused this. The, the nobody's sin caused this man's blindness from birth. Because, you see, they had embraced a false narrative about how God works. They believed that the sins of the parents could affect somebody's, somebody's condition in, in, the, in the next life. Some of us still believe that today, but here's the, here's, the big, here's the big crazy part about that. They actually believed at the time that the child could sin while it was in its mother's womb. And as a consequence, that's right, I see some of your faces now. Now I caught somebody's attention. They believed the child could actually sin while they were inside the mother's womb, and consequently, that sin could affect their life and cause those types of, uh, those types of uh, illnesses after they were born. Now, today, we think that's absolutely nuts. We think that's absolutely crazy. But that was just a simple fact of belief for, for people back then in, 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 the, in the Jewish culture. Um, of course, we, again, we know better now, but that was the false narrative that they believed about 
how God worked. Okay? They believe that that's how God worked. That was a false narrative that they believed. They, that's the false narrative that they operated on. Now, let me ask you something. Why would your, how would your relationship, how would your relationship with God be if you thought that he was a God that punished us because we sinned inside of our mother's womb? Okay? Y all, y all, y all, are, we, are we catching on now? We're getting where I'm coming from with that? That's probably not a God most of us would probably want to worship. Okay? So this is what we're all getting at in this series, is undoing some of these false ideas about God, and we're, we're going to replace them with some other ideas, some right ideas that were actually taught by Jesus and taught by Scripture. We do this stuff all the time. I gave you a crazy example just then, but we do this stuff. You know, we think that God is displeased with us sometimes when, whenever, we, whenever we face some kind of setback or some kind of suffering. Maybe we lose a job or we have financial difficulties or relationship problems. We think that God's punishing us sometimes. How often we have, have we been brought into the idea that the reason that God didn't answer our prayers is because we just didn't have enough faith. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a traumatic story about that one day, but, but, but we, we've all believed that at some point. Well, God didn't answer me because I didn't have enough faith in God. It's not how God works, folks, but we have come to believe that and we've come to tell ourselves that in many circumstances. I'm sure that y'all can think of other things that you believe about God or have been taught about God that are not necessarily true. So how do we combat that? How do we fight against that? How do we change this thing that hinders our relationship with God, this thing that hinders our relationship with other people, this thing that prohibits us from actually being able to grow spiritually, to grow into Christ's likeness as we're called, uh, again, that word, to become. The simple answer I told you last time is Jesus. <laughs> and I know that probably sounds kind of trite, uh, but that's the answer. The answer is Christ. We replace these narratives with the narratives that Jesus actually shows us. And he does show us every bit of this. He shows us everything that we need to know. What Jesus models for us, he shows us. He tells us the right narrative. Sometimes, sometimes Jesus is just very, very plain spoken, actually. Most of the time, Jesus is really, really plain spoken. Here's how you go about becoming this. Sometimes he talks to us in parables. That's a little bit hard to understand sometimes, uh, but we're able to. Sometimes this stuff is a little bit deeper than surface level, and it takes us actually some, some, uh, some deep thinking and some deep soul searching. But Jesus pretty much tells us, if he doesn't tell us directly, he shows us through his attitude and through his behavior how to relate to God and how to become these things that he calls us to become. And that's where we're going to start today. And I want to point you real quick to one scripture out of the Gospel of Matthew. This is kind of be, going, to, going to kind of be the source of, of what I'm getting at here. But it comes out of Matthew 11. It's just a couple verses here, 28 through 30. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. <clears throat> Jesus is speaking, and he says these words. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle. I am humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's the word of God for the people of God. <clears throat> Something I don't even have in my notes here, but I want to point out to you real quick. I've told you guys over and over and over and over and over again at this point, we can never forget that Jesus, although he was fully human being, he was also fully God, okay? That's part of our Christian heritage. That is Christianity 101. Jesus was fully God, and Jesus was fully man. And because he was fully God, we can't separate who he is from our creator, in other words, Jesus cannot be something that our Creator is not. Does that make sense to you? 
Here's what Jesus says about himself. Here's the character of God. Here's the character, the nature of Jesus. What am I? I am gentle, and I am humble in heart. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's the God that we serve. That's the correct narrative. That is a correct narrative about the character and the overall nature of God. I don't see anything that's, that says that I'm bitter. I don't see anything that says that I'm, that I'm hateful. I don't see anything that says I'm coming to get you because I don't like you. That is the character of God. That being said, you know, again, Jesus tells us. He models for us. In the scripture, he tells us that his way is easy. His way is light. Simply, simply follow me because I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you to become something that I'm not willing to walk along with you and help you to become. He models everything that we need into, in order for us to be able to become those things, to be able to become disciples, to be able to become people who think, who act, who relate to others as Jesus does. Sometimes he tells us again, sometimes he just shows us through his actions. So that being said, the first narrative we're going to talk about today pertains to our spiritual growth which is a subject you guys at Bemis know that I love to talk about. It's our ability to work alongside God, to work alongside Jesus, to work alongside the Holy Spirit to grow into the types of disciples that Jesus calls us to become. How do we do that? How do we grow in Christ-likeness? How do we overcome our sins? How do we overcome our struggles? How do we overcome our bad habits? How do we overcome our bad attitudes? How do we become people who love God? all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and who truly love our neighbors as ourselves. It's a wonderful thing to talk about, but we struggle with it so, so, so bad. Every one of us do. So here it is. The first false narrative that we tell ourselves is that we obtain these things, or that we become these things, or that we give up our struggles and our bad habits through willpower. False narrative number one, we grow or we change through willpower. That is wrong all day long. Let me give you some idea of how great our willpower works. Approximately 95% of all you New Year's resolutions are broken before the end of January. What about our diets? How many of us have said... Through our own willpower, we're going to eat a certain way, and we're not going back. How many of us have said we're going we're to lose X amount of weight, we're going to lose X amount of pounds, and we're done with it in a, two days? Think of some other areas of your life where we've, we've, we've told ourselves that we're going to try harder, and we're going to exercise our willpower to change something about ourselves. Take it from a recovering drug addict. Willpower doesn't do it. Willpower doesn't, doesn't do it. I tried that stuff for years and years and years. Never happened. How does stuff like that happen? How do we break these habits? How do we overcome these sins that, over, that, 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 that seem to control us? How do we become these things that Jesus calls us to become? I'll do better. I'll try harder, and we fail, and we fail, and we fail. Sometimes we th we're thinking about a physical thing, like I was talking about with the diets. 
Sometimes it's a spiritual issue. But what happens is when we think that we're operating through willpower, when we blow it, what happens to us? We get depressed. If it's a spiritual thing, we feel guilty about it. We feel beat down and we feel defeated. Folks, this, this is not what God wants for us. This is the opposite of what God wants for us. So if willpower is ineffective, and this is a false narrative that we tell ourselves, what's the right narrative? What's the true narrative? The opposite of this narrative about willpower is the Jesus narrative. Change occurs not through our willpower. But Jesus shows us that change actually occurs through what I call, through what the author of this book calls, indirection. Indirection, that's a, that's a weird word to be using, so I'm going to try to explain that to you and what, and what that means. <clears throat> we change through the process of indirection. Not by trying harder, and not because we think that we're going to do this stuff in our own abilities and in our own wills. I can't find a single place in the Gospels where Jesus tells anybody to overcome their sin or to, or to become these things that he calls them to become through their willpower. I can't find a single place in Scripture where he tells people to try harder. I can't tell, find a single place in Scripture where he chastises people for not growing spiritually because they're weak or they're weak-minded. Instead, what we find in scriptures, we tell, find Jesus telling stories. <laughs> we find Jesus telling parables. We find Jesus telling narratives to influence people. I've told you before, you know, Jesus wasn't wasting his breath for the sake of wasting his breath when he told all these parables and all these stories. He was telling them to influence people so that they would grow spiritually. Because what we hear affects us. Whether we realize that or not, what we hear affects us. So Jesus used stories. I find Jesus modeling things for us. He models when he talks about mercy. He models justice for us. He models love for us. He models compassion for us. I find Jesus teaching, teaching people how to pray so that they may grow closer to God, so that they may grow spiritually. Don't try harder to get closer to God. Go to God in prayer. I find Jesus teaching people, folks to pray. I find Jesus hanging out with people. I find Jesus hanging out with a specific group of friends, for example. And I find Jesus going off to spend time by himself and time in solitude to be with God the Father, to commune with God the Father. I don't find Jesus telling people to try harder. There's a reason for that. Try harder doesn't work. The way of spiritual formation, the way of spiritual growth isn't direct confrontation through our willpower. It's indirect means through those things in life which influence us the most. Let me say that one more time so we'll understand this idea of indirection. The way that we grow spiritually, spiritual formation, is not, does not occur through direct confrontation through our willpower or through trying harder but it occurs through those indirect things in our life that influence us the most. What are those things? One of those we've already talked about, and those are the stories and the narratives that we tell ourselves. And we all have them. We are so greatly influenced by the stories that we have told ourselves over the years. I can't really put it any better than the author of the book puts it. He, he, he writes it like this. <clears throat> he says, our stories... Once they're in place, once we, once we have them in our heads, our stories determine much of our behavior without regard to their accuracy or to their helpfulness. 
Think about what we just talked about, God. Think about what we just talked about in, in those scriptures where, where those folks believe that this kid may have sinned in the womb and he's suffering because of it. Once these stories are in place, they determine much of our behavior without regard to their accuracy or their helpfulness. Once these stories are stored in our minds, they stay there largely unchallenged until we die. And here's the main point. These narratives are running and often ruining our lives. That's why it's crucial to get the right ones. <clears throat> let, me, let, me, let, me, let me give you an example of this. Do y'all remember in the Bible where it says God helps those who help themselves? Guess what? The Bible doesn't say that. Somebody has told you that somewhere along the way. And you have taken that in as a piece, as, as, as God's will, and as a piece from the Word of God Himself, from Scripture. Somebody has told us that. It's not in there, anywhere. Let me ask you this. How might a belief like that, a story like that, a narrative that we have implanted in our heads for decades, how might that affect our relationship with God? How, better yet, how might a belief like that, because we believe it's in Holy Scripture, how might that affect our relationship with other people? Would a belief like that hinder or help our relationship with God and with other people? Absolutely. Sure, to some degree or not, it would, it would probably hinder our relationship, at least with some people, right? I got you, Robert. We have to explore these things because we, we believe things about God and we don't even know why we believe them. Somebody has told us some of this stuff at some point. We've taken it in. We've carried it along for years and years. And it affects our relationship with God and other people. It affects the way that we view who God is. It affects our ability to work with God for us to be able to grow spiritually. Secondly, Besides changing our narratives, we, sh we are shaped by what the book refers to as soul training exercises. That's a, that's a really odd and a really big word for, for spirit, what y'all hear me call spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices. <clears throat> y'all hear me talk about that very, very often. I usually refer to them again as spiritual practices. We don't change by saying that we want to change. We change by engaging in those practices that allow God, that allow the Holy Spirit to work through us to affect that change. That's why we have them in the first place. It's the same reason that we practiced anything, for that matter. Think about it. Think about that in the, in the realm of sports, for example. Okay? And this is a physical thing, not a spiritual thing, but think about this, for example, in the realm of sports. Let's say I love the NFL, okay? And I'm going to go be an NFL player. Okay, and, and, and for some act of God, I get called up to the Atlanta Falcons. They're going to let me play on that field. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to try harder. I'm going I'm I'm to exercise every, 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 every ounce of willpower that I can bring about, and I'm going to try my best. What's going to happen to me on that field? I'm going to get creamed because I'm a football player, for one, but number two, because I haven't practiced. How do people get better in their sports? They don't get better in their sports for trying harder. They get better because they repeat doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Repetitive actions, repetitive practices. Some of y'all may remember this. This happened a long time ago, back around 2000, 2007, I think, 2008. Uh, but Peyton Manning was the, uh, the winning quarterback uh, that year for the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 41. 
<clears throat> and if you don't remember it or if you do remember it, it rained like crazy during that game, okay? It's crazy rain. Now, we know what happens when it rains in the football game. The ball gets super, super slippery. Well, what happened is the opposing guy, I think he was a Chicago Bears uh, quarterback, the opposing guy fumbled multiple, multiple times, okay? Peyton Manning, not so much. He actually did a, a wonderful job handling that slippery football in Super Bowl 41, and, of course, they went on to win that game. What we found out a little bit later, and when a reporter was talking to Manning, is throughout the year, Manning would get his center to, to, uh, to uh, give him wet balls wet footballs to practice with and they would practice that just in case it happened to rain because he practiced that he was able to do much better than the up than the opposing guy in Super Bowl 41 same thing with our spiritual lives folks absolutely same thing with our spiritual lives we're not going to grow if we're not applying ourselves we can sit in that pew for two decades coming to church doing nothing but coming to that church weekly on a Sunday morning we're probably not going to grow because that's not really applying myself a whole lot. We're not going to grow into the image of Christ. We're not going to become these things that Christ calls us to become unless we're applying ourselves. We're not going to grow if we're not engaging in some sort of regular soul training exercise or spiritual disciplines, prayer, worship, fasting, scripture study, community, service to one another, service to other people. The, the list of things of, uh, that we can engage in spiritually is really limitless. So important. Thirdly, and I just mentioned, as a matter of fact, is we are shaped by participating in community all day long. Y'all have heard me say this before, but unless you live on an island by yourself, Christianity was never meant to be a solo religion, and it's never been meant to be a solo, solitary practice. It's never meant to be a personal pursuit. Spiritual growth, spiritual formation happens most profoundly when we are doing it together with a, with a group of Christians all day long. That is why I have insisted on having so many small groups <laughs> here at Bemis United Methodist Church because I know through Scripture, I know through Christian history, and I know through personal experience that personal Christian growth, spiritual growth, always, 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 always happens most profoundly within the context of a Christian community and not by myself. That's why we have the life groups. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we have all of these other offerings that we have Sunday mornings. It's imperative. You just cannot grow. And again, who's the model for that? Jesus is the model, because as we know, he did that with 12 guys who went on to create the world's largest religion. It happens in community. Lastly, through the Holy Spirit. We're shaped through the work of the Holy Spirit and, and without this, the other three won't work. Okay, without the knowledge of the, of the Holy Spirit is with us during all this whole process, the other three things, participating in community, spiritual practices, all that, the changing our narratives, none, none of it's going to work unless we recognize the fact that the Holy Spirit's there with us, that he's leading us, that we're doing this. He is constantly acting in our lives to point us to God and to Jesus. Remember what Jesus said back in the Gospel of John, <coughs> chapter 14, he told the disciples this. He says, the advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and he will remind you of everything that I've said to you. He will remind you of everything I said to you. He will remind you of everything that I said to you. How are we influenced? How do we grow spiritually? By the influence and the work of the Holy Spirit, who is actually residing in us. 
He reminds us what Jesus said about himself. He reminds us what Jesus said it means to be a disciple. He reminds us about the nature and the character of God. The Holy Spirit speaks to us when we allow him through Holy Scripture. That's part of his job is to speak to us through the written word of God so that our hearts and our minds might be conformed to God's personality, to God's characteristics, to God's nature. That's what he does. He is present in our lives. He is active in our lives, teaching us, reminding us all of these things. So take care of your thoughts. Reevaluate some of these things that maybe, maybe we're not so sure about in regards to God, in regards to the nature and the character of God. I think we learned this morning that, 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 that we, we are definitely susceptible to some false beliefs, to some false teachings, to some false narratives that hinder our relationship with God and with other people. Engage yourself in a Christian community, and that involves much more than coming to church once a week. And I ain't saying that. I ain't saying that to beat, beat anybody up. Don't want to beat anybody up. It's just a fact of the matter. If you want to grow spiritually, it ain't going to happen coming to church for one hour, or in my case, preaching an hour and a half on, on Sunday mornings. You got to get together with some folks. You got to grow together and spend time with each other. That's how we disciple. That's how the Holy Spirit works for us. Learn to recognize that work of the Holy Spirit and engage, of course, of course, in those personal spiritual practices, prayer, fasting, scripture study, community, all of that. This is how God works to transform us into the image of Christ. Stop trying to do it on your own because it's not going to work. It's not going to work. As much as we might tell ourselves that I can try harder and I can, I, can, I can conquer this thing through my own willpower, you're not. You're not. And that's, that may be a hard, I don't really think that's a harsh truth. That's just a truth. I can say it myself. I haven't. Never worked for me either. This stuff works. <laughs> this stuff works, and that's how Christ intended it. He just models it for us perfectly. I'm going to ask uh, uh, Kevin here to play a little something for us, and the altar's open. If anybody has a need for prayer, I'd love to pray for you personally. Uh, feel free to come forward. Or if, you, or if you're out there and you don't want to come forward, you want to raise your hand, and I'll be more than happy to come to you and pray, pray with you where you are. Uh, if you have any other need you know, to come forward and just spend a few moments alone with God, feel free to do so now. Kevin?